Okay, so it turns out the plans to go to the International Place Branding Association conference have fallen through. Uh, my dog ate stuff he shouldn't have and was with the vets over the weekend. He's fine now, but I've um, decided that traveling to France and leaving my wife behind and the dog in the situation was a bad decision. Uh, we were going to travel together and then to make a holiday out of the trip um, and then stay in France a bit longer, but we'll see if we can maybe make it to France in a week's time if, if Oreo, my dog, is, is better. Um, so it sucks, but it's very interesting that when I had to make the decision of whether to go alone um, to the conference, and read them back. I used what I learned about decision making and how to try and formalize the the problem and statement in between, you know, being stuck between your goals, your ideal goals and the constraints that you've got. And it it really worked and it's not the it's not the process but it's stuff that I've been listening to lately from uh, Russ Roberts, he's got a new book out, he's the Econ Talk podcast guy, got a new book uh, that talks about economics and the advances in behavioral economics that I'm interested in, and he was saying, you know, let's use an example, as an example uh, in the book, Charles Darwin's list of pros and cons of whether he should marry or not, and how any process like that can't help you imagine what the future is going to be like that you haven't experienced but in the process of going through it you can kind of get the feeling of how it's wrong of what you really want so it's like and you also use the example of like toss a coin just to see what you're hoping that you're going to get right some of these might sound like trivialisms but it's a way of making explicit what's implicit uh, that you've already had as a decision that you've made so I knew that my priority is to spend the time with my wife and dog. And the conference is always a great experience for me because it's uh, a lot of people that we share interests with, but I'm just gonna have to skip it. Um, but I don't wanna miss out on the opportunity of making progress with the, the PhD. And it's always good to get feedback, you know, when you present and um, a bit more of a stressful situation. So I, I think what I'll do instead is I'll get a few reps of, of how I would have presented because I've prepared a bit more extensively than the previous times, I think. And I've got a lot of data. Um, pre previous year, I, I misunderstood the brief, but <laughs> it said you don't have to have a PowerPoint presentation. I was like, good, you know, finally I can just talk about my PhD and pre-associate a bit and they meant like you didn't have to send it in advance so I actually yeah presented I was lucky that that day I had bumped into a bunch of design students in in Barcelona and they were doing a workshop of it was about learning from experience so I was like well that's tangentially close to what I'm interested in so I'll talk to you about my PhD and <laughs> I had drawn a diagram that I used to do my presentation 
And it was actually the first time I had considered how my findings apply to my own journey of choosing different places to live and how much of that was a choice. Uh, so, yeah, I got great feedback. So this year it's not going to be that, but I've got, I've got my slides in front of me. I'm uh, sitting next to a, a very beautiful scenery, scenic kind of bridge here in Bristol. Uh, just been out for a quick run and I think it's time to think about locational decision, decisions under uncertainty uh, with a focus on the experiences of locational decisions, which is kind of my topic. Now, that's evolved over time and what I would have shown is um, the different abstracts that I had submitted over the years of explaining the PhD, so I've actually you know, looked through past, past submissions just to see how it's evolved because it's an iterative process with qualitative interpretative uh, research where you kind of use a more of a applied perspective where you know you try and carve out a statue out of a of a rock and you can argue whether that's more of a subjectivist approach it is but what you tend to find is probably similar to what others would have been doing it so it's a bit more subjective but the context for my phd is project is that decisions have an experiential component now there's always a feeling and emotion and moods and uh, gut feelings heartfelt experiences uh, intuitions that go together with decisions they do not generally get highlighted in the decision making literature because um, they they prioritize a certain paradigm of methods that actually doesn't try to be uh, accepting of the, the the subjective approach right this sculpture of making they focus on more quantitative uh, approaches and that's something that's been already highlighted in their own field as a, as a bit of a shortcoming. So uh, there's a paper by uh, Weiss and I think Shantu and the last year talking about how the judgment and decision making journal has sent them down a, a path that doesn't do enough to you know, focus on decision making in the wild. And that kind of decision making is what I'm interested in. Um, it's also what I think people that are in charge of policy making for places should be uh, interested in. Because oftentimes what they do is they kind of make the, the assumption that you know human capital should be attracted to cities. You know, people with high degrees of uh, human capital are going to drive GDP. So there is always this link between uh, human capital and normally it's a mix of you know. The types of jobs they want, the talent, the types of education, um, and then my slides I would have shown a graph that uh, in the in the budget of the UK government there was a, a link between uh, what they call and the Q level I think it was equivalence how they do it uh, uh, yeah some someone that's above level four so higher um, edu education and then the the levels of gross value added. Uh, it's kind of a linear relationship. So, um, 
if, you know, just because I'm doing qualitative work doesn't mean I'm not going to take some numbers, you know. At the aggregate, there probably is something to it, right? Uh, you need skills to drive your economy forward, but checking what the experience is on the ground can also be helpful about all the discussions about the shortcomings of that model and the types of ways in which we can create better models. So, what I've done is that my kind of key aim with the PhD, and this has been stated and restated over the last five years, is that to explore uh, how vocational decisions and their uncertainty are experienced. Specifically, looks at the experience of people with high degrees of human capital, um, and that's uh, very much close to the work of Richard Florida, whose creative class work didn't just influence the science, the science community, but resonated with people that were in charge of actually applying uh, that in, in policy. Uh, so it's already had its critiques, even from himself, you know, if you focus on specific type of only groups, like there, there's a risk. But obviously within my, my research, the core aim can be broken down as well into goals that are in summary, to review the, the place-related literature to provide context for the decision-making experiences and the investigation. Uh, Reviewing the relevant behavioral economic literature to inform and instrumentally data collection. Um, and then investigate, uh, investigate the experiences of a sample of university students and staff in situations where they're chosen to have lived. So you can see my operationalization of, of human capital here was someone as a not just in higher education, but uh, obtained higher education and over. Uh, I only had like some example that was just right and was just graduating. Everybody else was masters, PhD, uh, early career lecturers, and uh, professors. So then I phenomenologically reduced the participants' experiences into themes that emerged from the data to develop a theoretical model of vocational decision making and uncertainty. <laughs> I'll say that again. Um, Phenomenologically reduced participants' experiences into themes that emerge from the data, develop a theoretical model of vocational decision making under uncertainty, which could inform actions by those responsible for managing and marketing places. So, understanding the on the ground experience. So, when it comes to the theoretical framework, uh, I presented that last year uh, and it's published as a, as a book chapter. And the key debate between Kahneman and Gigerenzer uh, about what heuristics are. So heuristics are seen in the view of Kahneman, more traditional behavior economics view as uh, mental shortcuts that are kind of the cause of bias, whereas uh, Gigerenzer highlights the evolved adaptive nature of those heuristics that can be appropriate when there isn't a structured environment, but you're in an uncertain environment, what he calls a big world compared to a small world, where bias can't be determined quantitatively anyway. So I might as well uh, take heuristics. And his heuristics are a bit different from the, you know, his understanding, because it's qualitative, it's a bit different from just gut feelings, they're different from just biases, you know, things that produce biases, but they're detailed descriptions of 
of human behavior as it's experienced and, and formalized into you know, rules of thumb. So this is where the distinction between a heuristic is the, is a mental mental process, and the rule of thumb is its verbalizable, communicatable aspects should be highlighted. And this is why in my instrument, I ask people about different situations where they were chosen with a list, like the context. Uh, but ultimately, it, it, it tried to capture the process of learning and how they made decisions as they went along the way. Into, and then we asked them about rules of thumb that they could teach others about choosing how to live. So that was a kind of way of trying to elicit and you know, get close at heuristics. You know, it's not uh, trying to assume that we can entirely get the full heuristic that way, but we can get people's views of how they work. So uh, as part of the analysis, um, I did detailed reviews, pen portraits of, of each participant out of the 19 that in the end I interviewed and uh, I captured into little journeys, their education, work, birthplace, where they currently live, places they have family ties, places where they have friends. So these are kind of aspects relating to place and place attachment and place identity and then also their experiences of living in different places and then also kind of thinking if, if they would move uh, places they might be attracted to and places would, they would never consider living in. So all of this then was summarized into four key themes around place identity, place attachment, uh, sorry not four, five, uh, so place identity, place attachment is in a model of decision making, in a way those would be seen as constraints, uh, whereas the the approaches that you could take to making those decisions and the, the goal setting uh, would be kind of your personal priorities. And then the process to get you there, you know, whether that's rational and what are your, what are the heuristics that you might use or kind of the other thing. So it's kind of, so the things, because I'm still analyzing uh, and their names are going to probably change a bit. I've called them place identity and place attachment, personal priorities, rationality, and intuition. Um, and we'll, all this will become a bit more detailed. So how do you then make sure that we know what we're talking about? And I was going to present how other similar concepts touch the ones that I'm interested in. Uh, you know, when I'm talking about place identity, I'm not talking about uh, just culture or being local or uh, just workplace marketing work would portray as being the identity or the place promotional stuff that you might see. Uh, you know, when I talk about place attachment, I'm not talking about uh, what place branding exactly might say is the, what you should love about your place. Um, I'm not talking about just global, uh, you know, attachments to just certain types of aesthetics of places. I'm not talking about love. You know, when I talk about personal priorities, uh, you know, it's very close. So you would see in some of my literature a nod to those things, but I'm not talking about consciousness or um, 
preferences or tastes or just kind of another Bourdieu type of thing. I'm not talking about subjectivity exactly. I'm not talking about attitudes and values. It's priorities. Um, then when I'm talking about rationality, I'm not talking about judgments or actions or appraisals exactly. Um, and then intuitions, I'm not talking about just emotions and moods and feelings. Uh, and then when you really boil it down the, at the intersections of some of the themes, the core intersection between place identity and place attachment is what I broadly think is what Tuan in his 1990 work was referring to as uh, topophilia, you know, a sense of uh, positive feeling towards a place with a desire to maintain closeness. This is you know, also how the operationalization was done from the work of Hidalgo and Hernandez and my work. So like topophilia is a fourth or more abstract theme from the literature. And then between rationality and intuitions are the heuristics because it depends on what situation you apply a heuristic, whether it's rational. So the idea is that, yay, making a decision in a certain way, whether that's deemed as rational, it depends on the context. So that's kind of the model decision, decision I would have shown and you know how I considered other literature. But then when you go into just removing my notes on the phone. Okay, then talking about the data. This time I'm gonna start talking from the back to the front so I don't go do the usual where I over focus on place identity and attachment. So I'll start with intuition, because I think that's my ultimate contribution on heuristics. So the way that participants talked about intuition seemed that intuition is about a balance between rationality and emotion. So people talk about this balance uh, in different ways. Uh, one participant talked about to zoom in and out on the board when you have so many objects and not very mobile friendly mirror. I'm just giving you a slide. Sorry, I'm zooming. So yeah, finding a balance between rationality and intuition. So yeah, so I had someone capture that really well and they were talking about like, yeah, I wanted to have a PhD but I also care a lot about having a a good experience here. So balancing the outcomes with the experience was seen as a, as a goal. And also intuitions are about, you know, when you think about heuristics specifically, 
um, if it's plausible and it makes sense, and there may be others that are you know, decisions that are shorter, the moments when you feel like the risk is plausible may be experienced as a moment of kind of placements when we become aware of our surroundings. Um, that was a mix between comments from the professor that was talking about, you know, specifically why simple decisions appeal to us um, because it's closer to our nature, but then also the experiences of a very intuitive participant who had mentioned on a few occasions kind of stepping out of a train station somewhere before thinking about whether they should go to university in Manchester and was like, yep, I don't care what they offer, uh, this is going to be it. And or also another moment when they were in the car at a traffic light and they basically had just the decision, oh yeah, I need to go back home and look after my, my family. Um, and I guess they, the way they explain that is that sometimes these intuitions come fully formed the way that J.K. Rowling's, um, apparently she explained that um, Harry Potter came fully formed to her. Um, but that was interesting. Zoom back out of the data. And so they're also about um, uh, kind of having the point of having your own unorthodox views as uh, an intuition. They have the right, uh, again, the participant mentioned that still don't own a house. So I don't think it's a good idea. Most people do it. Fine. Uh, trying a decision on precise and patiently learn from your mistakes and just uh, again that participant was very intuitive mentioning how they would basically even consider going going away to, to New Zealand and then just like go through the steps of Of getting the visa and all that stuff, so I guess it's probably similar to you know, at least that process might give you what you really want, as I was talking earlier. Um, being patient is important because it takes time for ideas to gestate and to learn what you what your likes and dislikes are. So a participant talked about going to Japan and only then figuring out that's definitely not for me, and then coming back home to your anchors and. Um, and then it takes time, you know, they mentioned like I'm, I'm older now, so it's time for ideas to just stay. Um, then intuitions, yeah, they come with these moments of placements, I mentioned that already. Um, someone talked about taking the responsibility of the future direction while accepting uh, that you know, you're not entirely in control. And it was, and the approach was that you might take reigns for the next five years this is where i want to head but you're not in control exactly you know how things are going to end up so they had just taken up as a professor you know a phd and that, that approach 
you know, for the next five years, I want to commit to this direction, but not exactly sure where it's going to take me. And then learning to be patient and learning how to use your feelings to guide you so that you can feel that like you can get to know your priorities. And that was uh, a participant that was just doing a master's degree after taking time to travel abroad. And that was uh, an experience uh, where they realized like they couldn't have known what the priorities are unless they tried something different. Um, intuitions are also about the ability to listen to your heart uh, so you can allow um, it can allow you to know where you can fit in so it's not a head decision but uh, fitting that's a combination between some of the discussions we had with people that were from Muslim background finding it very difficult to, to fit in in certain situations in everyday life and at the same time, knowing that it'll be much easier to live a life when they're surrounded by people that are from their own faith. But then they were stuck in, you know, the fact that where they were in the West, they knew there was a bit better opportunity. So this is all the data around intuition which I wanted to highlight for now uh, because that's what I missed off in the last recording but it didn't make me think about intuition is like how can I summarize it there's so many things I like to go back to theory you know, it's thinking about Herb Simon's definition of intuition is just purely recognition so just recognizing but what the hell are we recognizing when it comes to places are we just recognizing whether we're in a good mental state or uh, whether we should change something I guess that's it so yeah. are things working or are they not should I stay or should I go if you're in those situations, I think some of the outputs that I might give is just go through these processes. You know, I'll probably have to formalize them a bit more. So the moon they sound like wishy-washy statements, right? But people meant specific things you can do. That might be helpful. Okay.